most of the time I foul balls. <laughs> oh man. This is Truth Talks. Welcome back everyone to the Truth Talks podcast. I'm your host Buddy Boone. With me today is the pastor of Bellcroft Bible Church. I was, I was going to say bishop, but you don't like that. The pastor of Bellcroft Bible Church. His name is Pastor Matt White. How you doing today, sir? I'm just a, just a mere slave, brother. Nothing more. Slave of Christ. Yeah. So they call me pastor, but slave is better. That that I I agree. I'm I'm a do loss as well. Under shepherd. Under shepherd. Under shepherd is actually First Peter five more accurate. But. Okay. All right. Under shepherd. Well, uh, Under Shepherd, we are about to talk about some Under Shepherds here. Uh-oh, watch out. Because I remember, you remember uh, a, a, a podcast or so ago, uh, we talked about the role of uh, of an Under Shepherd. I, sh- I can't remember that, honestly. It's, it's, it's okay. I'll let you remind I'll me. I'll remember a for A lot you. has happened since the last time we podcast. I will, I will remember for you yeah. and uh, kind of go over uh, a few things. So I was telling you uh, basically about the um, kind of just listening through. And I told you and and, and I and I chuckled uh, the last last Sunday uh, hearing you preach because you said it again. You know, you get up. I heard yeah, you this, laugh, actually. I do remember. Yeah, that. you got up. you get up and you're you're you know, you, you got to put your glasses <laughs> on. You, you're getting your 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 your, uh, your sermon together. You're pulling it out and you're like turning your copy of God's word to Mark, the book of Mark, chapter 11. We made it to 11. There you go. Yeah, so it's kind of, that's that's kind of the 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 whole thing. And I I laughed because uh this week someone had actually uh, uh tweeted that uh you know I put up there I was like I have no problem with pastors that get up and don't say good morning. They just say, turn your attention to or turn your copy to God's word. So, first of all, why do you say that every single time? Like, mm-hmm. there is no, I mean, like the one Sunday, like I talked about in the last, you know, podcast before this one, you were like, you know, telling us about a a, a prayer request that, that was coming through. So, what is your motivation of saying that particular phrase every Sunday? So, um Honestly, I've, I I don't know if I've ever really thought about it. So it's like I don't, it's not, yeah, I don't think about it. I just do it. But if I did think about it, I would say, and this is the first time I've thought about it, I'm not there to say good morning because I've usually already gotten up at the beginning of the service and read scripture. Mm-hmm. I don't even say good morning there. I just read scripture and pray and kind of get our service started in the right gr- direction, which is God-centered. Um, and I'm not there to entertain i'm not there to really do anything other than open god's word Mm -hmm. right that's the whole point of what i'm there to do Mm -hmm. um i'm not there to talk about me or any or anything else for that matter i'm surely not there to talk about politics or whatever like i don't want to waste any time talking about anything other than the bible Mm -hmm. i want to get us to the bible as fast as i can because anything other than that's not really going to have eternal impact and that's really what i care about Mm what we need we need to hear from god mm-hmm. we don't hear from god from visions and dreams and and anything else we hear from god when his word is read and his word is preached mm-hmm. rightfully so for me i want to hear from god i want to hear his word i want i want to get to his word 
So for me, it's about getting to the word as fast as I can. Mm-hmm. And so in that sense, that's probably why I do that. Um, yeah, I'm not the kind of guy that gets up and tells a joke or whatever. You know, I want to, I want to get to the scriptures. I want to open our Bible. I want to, I want everybody to know this is what we do. Like, this is where we're going. It's not about me. I want everybody to be looking at their Bibles from the very beginning all the way through. Um, but yeah, it's probably the first time I ever thought about it. Mm -hmm. But yeah. So yeah, I mean, I say the same thing every week at the beginning because that's why it's about the Bible. It's about God. It's not about me. Mm Mm-hmm. And I have uh, another Matt in the church that I just had a conversation with. And he, well, his question was a joke, but I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask both questions. (laughs) His question was, how long should a pastor look at YouTube to figure out which clip he's going to use for the Sunday? But (laughs) I can't help you with that. (laughs) Can't help you with that. My question is. Never. Never used the YouTube clip in any sermon. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let me let me tell you. I think it ends. I think it ends being a sermon when you bring YouTube in. Just saying. Yeah. All right. Let me tell you. Let me be very clear about that. Yeah. If if that happens, yeah, you gonna see me and my family <laughs> walk out. <laughs> if that happens, we, you should come up and drag me out. <laughs> All right. I'm giving you the right to do that. Let me tell you. I'm a, I'm gonna do it dramatically too. Yeah. I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna say, "Come on, y'all." <laughs> <laughs> we leave it <laughs> real in the front row. It's gonna be real dramatic. But I think this question more or less is, um, and I know that I know that you. It's, this is a thing that I've noticed with uh, pastors uh, that <laughs> mostly the 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 master seminary pastors that I've spoken to. I ask you a personal question and you never answer it. <laughs> you always point to Christ, which obviously is what you're supposed to do. But I think my question more or less is what is like, how long do you study and, and, and prepare for this? You know, obviously Matt was, was jokingly saying it, but now I'm saying it and kind of like where he was going, like, what is your preparation? Like how long does it take to, to get to the point where one, you feel good about what you have you know, written out as your sermon, mm-hmm. but how long does it take you to understand mm-hmm. that, that, that scripture? Yeah. Well, I have a whole process that mm-hmm. I go through pretty methodical process. I'm actually teaching it right now in our training Institute. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, it's, it's pretty heavily involved in a number of steps that, you know, begins with prayer and obviously ends with a sermon manuscript and a whole bunch of hoops in between. Obviously, taking this, taking, taking in account the original languages, that's where I, where I begin and and work through. After m- my first step, I call preparation, mm-hmm. and that's where I'm preparing to open the word and get into the word. And there's a number of things I do in that step. And and honestly, to be honest with you, that step begins usually when I'm walking down from, from the pulpit on that Sunday, like. I start thinking about, I'm already thinking about, I plan out my sermons usually six, eight months in advance where I, I, I figure out the text I'm going to preach. I figure out the amount, like a, like the amount of verses. I look at it. I come up with the main point of that passage. I work on that to figure out what that is. I give a title to it that somehow helps me connect with that main point. Mm-hmm. And then I move on to the next. I'm working that far ahead just so then the music team is ready and 
all that kind of stuff. And so I'm thinking ahead and then I'm always looking ahead as I'm reading because I do exposition. So I'm always connected with the book and thinking ahead of what's coming because scriptures correlate. But um, when I'm done preaching a sermon, I'm already thinking about the next one because mm-hmm. that's just the way uh, my mind works and that's how much time I need. In some ways, I would say I'd never have enough time. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I would say that, you know, honestly, because I'm so busy as a shepherd in a growing church where there's many demands and not enough time. And so I'm always juggling how much time do I do I have to have and need to have to rightly divide the word and how much time do I need to put over here in shepherding the flock and mm-hmm. got to do both. Mm-hmm. There's no choice of doing one or the other because they it's the command is both and but knowing how to balance that and give the priority obviously to the study of the word to feed the sheep while also shepherding them and that's just that's just really hard it's a mm-hmm. hard part of ministry that i don't know if i ever get that right but i'm always striving for that but yeah so i start studying as soon as i'm i mean i start meditating thinking and preparing as soon as i'm walking down i'm thinking all right next week is this and i've I, obviously i've already thought of that the week before I'm already thinking about it and cause I want to know what can I know about this text that's going to lead into the next. Is there anything mm-hmm. I need to say and prepare? So yeah. And then honestly, I never, I'm never done with my sermon until I start preaching it. Like mm-hmm. there will be Sundays where I've, cause I write out my sermons word for word. So mm-hmm. I mean, I've, there's a lot of work that goes in to do that, but I'm still editing mm-hmm. while I'm sitting there. I mean, we might be singing a song and it, something hits me that I'm like, you know what? I need to, I need to make a note of that. Yeah. I want to say that, or I want to go back to that verse or something and I'll pull out a pen and jot it on my manuscript or whatever. And so, yeah, I I don't think I'm ever done until I'm preaching it. And that's just the nature of how I'm constantly editing in that sense. I know it doesn't look like it, the length of my sermons, but they're constantly <laughs> being edited. That shows you how poor of an editor I am. <laughs> but but yeah, so it's an in-depth process, right? It begins in preparation, and then it goes to observation, which is probably one of the most important steps where mm-hmm. I'm just observing the text and saturating my mind in the text. And that obviously happens uh, early in the week or even weeks before and uh, and then a lot comes out of that, and then I go to what I, I call examination, mm-hmm. and that moves me from observing the text, which is what do I see um, in in and around the text? That's observation. Examination is what does the text say? So it's more, uh, it's less of what do I see. Now I'm I'm actually examining what does the text say, and I'm picking apart that, and then that opens the door and gets me into interpretation. And that moves me into what does the text mean? And so then I'm in interpretation for a long time, examining uh, words, examining syntax, and examining how sentences are structured and go together. And it's usually by that time I have an outline at that point because I've I've observed it, I've examined it, and now I'm interpreting it. By that time, the outline of the passage, because it comes out of the passage, Mm -hmm. I follow, most part, I follow the outline that's given in the passage and so by that time it comes out and so I'm wrestling with that and then as I'm interpreting I'm still observing and I'm still examining so all of these steps they are all weaving together Mm -hmm. but I'm moving the football down the field Mm -hmm. right that's the whole point I'm progressing so I get a right understanding of the text of what it means 
And then I move to uh, what I call correlation. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, when I'm now starting to correlate this text with other texts. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously if you've ever listened to me preach, which, yeah, it's a, I guess it's a learned appetite appetite to listen mm-hmm. to a long-winded preacher. But I, I use a lot of cross-references and a lot of pa- and yeah. that's because that step of correlation it, it is one of my favorite and i use it because i believe it's one of the things the puritans have taught me the best interpreter of scripture is scripture mm-hmm. and so that's why that's where all those cross references come out of is because i'm constantly rechecking do i have this right do mm-hmm. i am i getting this right and and i'm not going to commentaries at this point i'm going to scripture and I'm like, all right, is this said somewhere else? Is this correlate to this? And so I'm pulling in, and as I'm doing that, I'm finding other passages and other mm-hmm. passages. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not the best preacher at all, and I don't claim to be, and and uh, don't even assume that. But and so I struggle with what passages do I leave out? And I've learned I'm not I'm not good at this, but I have learned that a good sermon is is more about what you leave out than what you put in. Mm. Well, I'm terrible at leaving out, mm-hmm. and that's just an honest assessment and. And uh, I'm sure my sermons can be a lot sh- shorter, and I'm sure they will be when I get better. But I struggle to leave out because it's all so good to me. Not my sermon, the text. Not about. Well, it's not about crafting this or that. It's not about me. Mm-hmm. It's I'm just in the text, and yeah. I just love it. And it's like I see this nugget and that nugget, and I'm not bringing up like stupid stuff. I'm like, mm-hmm. look, no, look at this. Look at how this connects with this, and how this shows the greatness of God and this shows the sovereignty of Christ and they're all going together and it's like I, I, I'm I, like no I can't leave that out mm-hmm. that just unlocks the passage further and mm-hmm. so that's why how I get myself in trouble all the time because right. then it's like oh we've been 45 minutes on point one and it's like he's got a four point sermon we're not yeah. you point one you still yeah. the introduction of 45 yeah. minutes yes I've done that before too and it's just like oh this is this is awful but so that step of correlation is in, is important, and then part of that correlation is commentaries and other sermons and other helps that I use to mm-hmm. to make sure I'm getting it right or to see it. What have I missed? Is there anything in here that I've missed? And um, which is obviously really helpful. And then that leads to another step, which deals with the principles, like looking for the universal principles of Scripture, and that's where I'm looking for those aspects of the text of the sermon that help me bridge the gap between then and now. So everything I've done up to this point in the sermon prep is all about then. It's all about what is the text, what did the text say then? What did the text mean then? Who was the text written to then? Who was writing then? It's all about backward, back there, all immersing myself into then before I can ever bring it forward and bring it to us now. I've got to understand it then because here's the reality. It will never mean anything different today than what it meant then. Mm-hmm. Whatever it meant then is what it means today, mm-hmm. right? I just got to know how to bridge that gap so that we rightfully understand it for today. Mm-hmm. But the meaning of the text is the message of the sermon. And so therefore, whatever it meant then, I have to make sure I bring out that meaning now. And that's where a lot of guys, uh, be it wittingly or unwittingly, they they're changing the meaning of the text to somehow make it more 
quote unquote applicable or mm-hmm. practical and it's like no 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 mm-hmm. it's the same meaning mm-hmm. it's the living word of god it, mm-hmm. it's applicable because it's god's word you don't need to change anything you just need to understand it and to mm-hmm. rightfully understand it you got to understand it then <clears throat> the audience the circumstance all of that and so um but you have to reach a point where you know how to bridge the gap and it's a massive gap mm-hmm. it's uh, thousands of years generally yeah. where you've got to bridge that gap and that's where dealing with those, looking for those universal principles that not only applied and implications for them back then, but for us today. They're Mm -hmm. the same. Mm -hmm. God's sovereignty is a blessing then, and it's a blessing now. And that's a universal principle that you can pull out and say, oh, look at this, God's holiness or man's sinfulness or the gospel's impact, whatever. You're going to have these universal truths that are going to be a part of every text that then need to be brought to the people and say, yeah, look at this, Christ's character and God's plan and man's sin and the impact of the church or whatever. And so I'm looking to identify those. And then when those are identified and seen, they'll correlate always to the main point of the sermon, but they'll get clear in that step. And then obviously then that's where implications and applications come in. And by that point, now I'm starting to move to the step of drafting the sermon. I use Pencil, Wait, I you, use. You just now you're starting to draft. Yeah, I don't draft till the very end. Gotcha. That's that's I, I'm I'm from from after preparation when I'm in observation, I use a white um, normal, not a legal pad, but whatever those yellow pads. I can't think of mm-hmm. the technical name notepad, mm-hmm. but the full size. And I use those and I go through them. I got a whole stack of them and I, you know, it doesn't take me long. I'll average maybe 10 pages per sermon. Mm-hmm. Some sermons might be six, some might be 12 or whatever. And where I'm just observing and writing, not, you know, bullet points, cross references, observations, and I'll write it on the, and I, you know, put page numbers so I can track with it, sermon title. And then I start observation and I'm just observing the text. And then I go to examination and I'm examining the text. And a lot of times, if you looked at those pages, you'll see I'm like pulling an outline together at the very beginning. It's like, ooh, this looks like this could be a three-point mm-hmm. sermon because I'm seeing three transitions in the text right here. And so it's like, ooh, this could be this, and I'll write a question mark. you know. And then I come up, just my style, I, I try to pare everything down to one word, and it's like, ooh, this could be desperation and delight and duty or something. And I'm like, I don't know if that'll work, but hey, it's just mm-hmm. coming into my mind as I'm looking at the text. That sometimes can happen in observation, but that won't be clarified until I get to interpretation. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, that's good, but uh, that word duty isn't good, but it should be, you know, discernment or whatever, you know. And mm-hmm. that's where some of that alliteration and, and the symmetry of the sermon comes together. Mm-hmm. But it's not until until I'm all the way at the end and I've I've got the text, I've got the meaning, I've got all this scribbled stuff on this pad, and then I open my computer and I'll start typing. And that's, that's, that's usually on Saturday. Hmm. Yeah. I usually don't manuscript until the day before the sermon because I'm just pulling. St- I don't stop. It's like mining. I'm just digging, 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 and I'm digging in specific veins, observation, examination, interpretation. And I keep digging. I mean, I'm an extemporaneous speaker by nature, mm-hmm. not a manuscript guy. So I, by the time I get those yellow pads full, I could preach literally from my Bible. Mm-hmm. I know the text by that point. I'm just saturated in it. I've seen the Greek. I've messed with the Hebrew. Like I can, I can see it. 
I look at the text and it's like I see the points. It's, so I don't really need much more than that. So I could go to the to the pulpit and preach it, but I don't trust myself. Mm-hmm. So that's when I go through the discipline of writing it out word for word. And that's what really helps me think through my thoughts and transitions and making sure my theology is not going to be wonky and I'm just going to get up there and start spouting stuff because I'm excited or whatever, which everybody can fall prey to that. That's why I like manuscripting. It makes you think through every word. And so, yeah, that comes at the end, at the end, some sometime late in the process of the week. And and then, obviously, everything gets thrown out the window if you've got a funeral, if you've got some emergency counseling, <laughs> you've got some issue, then, yeah. then it's just, then you're just trying to do all that at different times, late mm-hmm. at night, trying to jam it all together. That's just reality. That's mm-hmm. just how the shepherd's life is. But you you got to do it. You got to get up early. You got to stay up late. You got to figure it out. And obviously, the sooner the better. It's always better to start soon. So that's why I'm always working ahead. And I know that sermon's coming. I know what the title is. I know what the main point is. And so I'm ruminating over it. I'm reading. I'm thinking. And because I know that something could come up and I'm, my sermon prep time might be shortened because of because of a funeral, which happens, or because of a sickness, or because of whatever. And then it's like, okay, we're going to have to truncate everything. And so, yeah, it's mm. a it's a journey. Yeah. Every week it's a journey. Yeah. I was uh, chuckling because when you were saying uh, you had all these cross-references, <laughs> we were at the house, and Callie says to me, Dad, what is what does parallel account mean? <laughs> I was like, you've been paying attention. Very good. Yeah. So, you know, we kind of walked through that. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, when you said turning your copy to God's word, turning your copy of God's word to Mark uh, Sunday, that's when I chuckled because I looked at the girls and they looked just like, yeah, he says it all the time. I was <laughs> like, yep, he says it all the time. And I was like, that's, that's good. I mean, instead of it being like <laughs> what I've seen before, it's like, how's everyone doing? You know, how how we doing today? You know, or the the tradition that I grew up in, the pastor gets up there and he's like, praise the Lord, everybody, you know, and, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I didn't tell you to, to repeat after me. I told you to praise the Lord and you got all this music playing and all types of stuff. It's, you know, it's, it's good to be in the house of the Lord, you know, all this stuff. So it's really more or less. Uh, and like you said, it is it it does take a. It does change your palate changes. Like mm-hmm. my palate has completely changed when mm-hmm. it comes to not just the scripture, but also how it's preached. Exactly. Because I cannot now listen to some of the guys that I used to listen to, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> the ladies that <laughs> were preaching that you know that I was listening to because it's like I know I now understand, and and it's not just you. It's mm-hmm. it's I was listening to. Uh, uh, Eki Tepsa porn child, just a porn child. How you yeah. say it? Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. You got it. <laughs> I did? Yeah. Okay. I was listening to him preach and, you know, I was going to get on him, uh, when I see him because he uses a PowerPoint, but yeah. the PowerPoint is literally just the scripture yeah. on the screen. That's yeah. it. It's, yeah. there's no like points or yeah. videos. It's literally just the scripture up there. And, he preaches the same way, like word by word, you know, yep. just phrase by phrase even. Yep. And like that is what I can, I can listen to people preach like that 
all day long. Yeah. I did at G3. <laughs> but the thing about it is like now when you ha- when I listen to other preachers, it's, it's almost as if I'm like listening for what's in the scripture. And if I don't hear it, I don't want to hear it. Yeah. Like I just got to turn it off because it's like now what I'm hearing is the ideas that you have mm-hmm. of what that scripture is versus mm-hmm. taking the scripture, mm-hmm. you know, uh, unpacking that scripture, expositing that scripture, then having other scriptures, other texts that support it. Mm-hmm. For me, that's just, that's just what my diet has become. Mm-hmm. And if I, and, and, and it's like McDonald's, if I don't get it. Yeah, well, I, absolutely. And second Timothy four is really clear. <clears throat> like it's, it's an exhortation. It's an imperative. It's a command, a non-negotiable command to the preacher. And the command is simple. Preach the word. Mm-hmm. Meaning, you let the word speak, mm-hmm. not you. So whatever I'm saying, I've got to be talking about the word, and I've got to be letting the word talk. Mm-hmm. And so that's what that is. It's, it's not about me. It's not about my thoughts. It's not about my ideas. It's about God. It's about his word. It's about his thoughts. It's mm-hmm. about his plans. It's all about that. So, again, uh, confident I can do it better. I'm as First Timothy 6 says, I'm practicing these things and working on them. And one day, I'm sure if the Lord gives me good strength and I'm 40 years at this, I, it, it, it'll mm-hmm. be, I'm sure it'll still be work. And yet it'll be a deeper blessing because of a skill set that you grow in. However, at the end of the day, it'll never be about me and it'll never be about a form or a formula. It'll always be open your Bible to such and such a place because it's about that. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's... I want the Bible, i.e. God, to have center place. Mm-hmm. And I think the no better way to prove that and to picture that than by the first words out of your mouth, open your Bible, mm-hmm. right? Not, good morning, look at me kind of deal. And not that guys are even necessarily trying to draw attention to themselves. I'm not saying that. But yet, by default, that's what you're teaching people. Everything I, I do as a pastor is a training opportunity. So am I going to train our people to go in a direction away from God, or am I going to train them by what I say and what I do to go towards God? Mm-hmm. And and I'm cognizant to the fact that if I'm not careful, I can train people to go towards me as the preacher, right? And I don't want that. I want people to go to God. So that's why it's just, no, look at his word. I'll even, if you listen, I'll because I'll, I write this out, I'll say, no, no, every, every point. Okay, now look at this verse with me. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. <laughs> look at this verse. You'll hear me say yep. that over and again. I mm-hmm. want you to look at it. And sometimes I'll look and people aren't looking. I don't know. Look at your Bible. Mm-hmm. Look at this verse. And what I'm trying to train and show is, no, read your Bible. Look at your Bible. If, mm-hmm. I, if I'm telling you something you can't see in the text, then you, you better be careful and you better question it and you better call me out. Mm-hmm. And so look at the text. Look at the text. Look at the text. That's, that's what it's all about. That's why the pulpit matters because the pulpit is there to hold the text. It's there to elevate the text. It's there to show people this, look, here's the Bible. Mm -hmm. Here it is, and this is what we're doing. And so, yeah, I mean, I've never really really had to answer that question, but there you go. Well, that's what the podcast is for. Amen. Yeah. And I I think that the reason why, like, even I wanted to kind of know and understand it is because this is something that, it's, it's it's a weekly it's a, it's a it's a, it's a part of my week every mm-hmm. single week mm-hmm. i have to be under preaching and um 
your preaching, obviously, because you're the under shepherd. But it's a know. meal. <clears throat> you got to eat. It is. You have to eat every day. Yeah, I miss it if I yeah. don't. And yeah. and and so in this moment, it's the main meal of the week, mm-hmm. and that meal must be well prepared. It must be well balanced, and it must be in every way well delivered Mm -hmm. right and just as you eat right you got to eat the right food that's cooked the right way and Mm -hmm. you got to eat it the right way right Mm -hmm. you're not just chewing on a bone or whatever Mm -hmm. sticking the whole broccoli at one time into your mouth i mean Mm -hmm. there so it all goes together and that that metaphor of feeding and eating or like so many of our people will say feasting Mm -hmm. right on the word that's what we're doing together Mm -hmm. i have already feasted on it that's Mm -hmm. the joy of of preparing and and studying i've feasted i'm i'm full like Mm -hmm. i am in so many ways bloated Mm -hmm. right when i'm coming up there and Mm -hmm. then it's just coming out Mm -hmm. and so that's the job of the of the shepherd is to feed the sheep i mean that's what first peter five that's that's the whole point Mm -hmm. and um so so that has to but i'm not there to feed you my thoughts i'm there to feed the meal that christ i.e god has already prepared he's the master chef Mm -hmm. i'm just the waiter Mm -hmm. and so i've seen the meal he's made and now i bring it to you and feed it to you so that you can feast upon it all week Mm -hmm. because a good sermon will give you much to chew on chew the cud meditate Mm -hmm. it'll give you much to chew on for the rest of the week to guard you to guide you to provoke you and then you come back and you do it all over again and Mm -hmm. it's a it's a it's a mysterious because we don't fully understand all of it because we can't it's a mysterious means of grace, not mysterious in that we don't understand all the nuances we do, but not all of them. It, but it's a massive, I think it's the greatest means of grace that God has given to us is the public gathered preaching of the word. Yeah, It's, it's underrated, it's underused, and it's underappreciated. Mm-hmm. And, and we miss it. We miss it when we uh, minimize it and think you can get online and watch a sermon or listen to podcasts and listen to YouTube and replace that. You can't. What we're doing now is not the preaching of the word and watching a MacArthur video and watching him preach is not the preaching of the word. Mm-hmm. There's something about being in the room under your pastor, not just a preacher, but under your pastor who knows you, who loves you, who's bled with you, who's cried with you, who's walked with you, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And he's the one. It's like it's like being fed at the daycare center, right, by mm-hmm. some babysitter or being fed by your mom mm-hmm. or your dad. Mm-hmm. It's totally different. Mm-hmm. Totally different, right? Yeah, those they they will they will keep you alive for a while, mm-hmm. but it it will not have the same impact on your life mm-hmm. as when mom's doing the thing that she does. And, mm-hmm. and so there's a it's God's design. That was always his design. It wasn't to have a preacher. Preachers have a place more as evangelists. It was to have a shepherd. That's why I've always said I'm a shepherd who preaches, mm-hmm. not a preacher who shepherds. Mm-hmm. And because that was always God's design, that, that there would be a man that gives his life for these sheep and he devotes himself to the study of the word that he might feed them down to his dying day. And, and, and everybody needs that because God has made us to need that because in some ways it's a picture of Christ who is our ultimate shepherd, who is actually feeding us in that moment through the under shepherd. That's why that term is so he's not the shepherd. Mm-hmm. Christ is the shepherd. He's just the under shepherd mm-hmm. that God has given on loan while Christ himself cares for his sheep. Yeah, that's good. I like the uh, analogy you, you went from being 
uh, a shepherd out in the field to a server in a restaurant. I mean, it's it's so many ways that you can uh, you can actually do that. So, Amen. Um, Thanks for asking. Yeah. So okay, I got I I got a couple of uh, I don't know which which one to ask. You know, I always got questions. Oh, I thought that was your question. What that one? Yeah, that was the introduction. Oh, I was like, I was like, it was a half hour like, introduction. Is, you were like, man, this is gonna be a crazy question. I thought, oh, that's not crazy. But yeah, no, that's, that's that's. I'm taking the page out of your book. I'm so, or off I, of your notepad. Listen, man, that was the introduction. Do as I do, not as I say. <laughs> <laughs> that was an introduction. That was that was just an introductory. You know, just just hey, hey you know, we just. Pretty much just shooting the breeze for just, for a half hour and and warming and just, up, warming you, up. Yeah, that's just the warm up. So okay, all right. yeah, so the car is uh, up to temperature. Seats are warm now. We're ready to roll. Yep, we're we're ready to go now. Uh, speaking of which, since it since it is getting so cold, I want to kind of talk through uh, a few of these. Uh, <laughs> oh, where's this going? Yeah, <laughs> watch this. So <laughs> I want to kind of talk through a few of these. Uh, a few of these traditions oh, no. that uh, have, okay, I have been reminded of them over and over and over again. And here's why I'm reminded of them. The reason why is because I told you, this is this podcast is part of my deconstruction. <laughs> it is a part of me literally tearing apart the bad theology that I have been taught literally for, I'd say, almost more than 30, more than 40 years at this point when i began to learn that is when i started to learn bad theology that yep. that's how bad it is yep so we, and we all have that to yeah. a certain extent yeah i i think i got an overdose of of the you od the old yeah we said that you need an overdose of the holy ghost i got an overdose you just shared some of that that was one theology. of them. and that was actually a song that was saying back in the day so I was okay, so I went back to some of the um, some of the uh, uh, notes that I took from a sermon that you did uh, a little well, shoot no it was a little over uh, over a month ago almost two months ago I can't remember you have to help me. it's fine I I take notes so that's the reason why I do it so I can remember as well but the but the, the uh, you it. were you were preaching out of and this was weird because you you were in Mark. But you preach out of Psalm ninety. Oh yes, took yes. me by surprise. Yes, I, I I do that sometimes. Yeah. So this is what happened. That was actually after G three. It was right after yeah, G three. Yeah, that's why I did that. And it was and and it was fire. It was fire coming from the pulpit. You were just you had your GPMs were going, and I saw <laughs> flames coming out of your hands listen, as you were moving. Listen. Yeah. You put a preacher. That has to listen to sixteen sermons in a row. Yeah, if he doesn't have fire coming out after that, something's wrong with him. Well, watch this. It was sixteen sermons and Paul Washer. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I get it. I completely understand. I mean, I had to resurrect. Had to be resurrected five times after that Paul Washer sermon. So, yeah, I mean, he that shot was, me through the heart. Like that was bloody. He yeah. shot me through the heart like twelve times. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, sorry, yeah, I'm just trying actually, to trying to defend myself. Actually, there was a meme going around with the uh, uh, the uh, uh, PlayStation or not PlayStation, but uh, game whatever Microsoft is yeah. the subscription, and it's a picture of it being canceled. It's like if you were at G3, you would understand. <laughs> I was like, that is awesome. So it's yeah. like stop playing with games, little boys, little boys games. 
So as I was reading back through, going through my uh, uh, Psalm 90, one of the things that popped up at me, first, I just went, I went past Psalm 90, and um, um, there's so many songs that I've learned that that were the scripture, but it took me, it, it they didn't, they didn't, they took other meanings from it, which, yeah. which drove, is driving me crazy now. Yep. But it's in my brain. I give it to you this way. So, <laughs> Psalm, I kept reading. I went to Psalm 91. Mm. Okay? Mm -hmm. So, uh, so you read Psalm 90 and now you're in Psalm 91. So, I went to Psalm 91. Yep. And, well, I, I went I went back. I went to 89 and then I came up to 90. Yep. And as I started to read into uh, Psalm 91... I started to come up against uh, one of the verses that I see here. Where is it now? Which one? In Psalm 90? Psalm 91. Okay. And first, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High yeah. will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Yep. Now, that's a song by an artist that I was listening to back in the day. I think I kept reading, but it was about... Uh, it was asking the, the question, who is this king, uh, Jesus, the glorious king, shout for the king. Um, and when I started to read some of these things, what I started to think about was the traditions that we had mm -hmm. back in the day. Mm -hmm. Now, one was a tradition that we had of going to church on Christmas. Mm -hmm. So we don't do that here. Christmas Day is like, a, you know, it's, it's Christmas Day. Like yeah. you, you're, you're with your family. But I remember as a kid waking up Christmas morning, mm -hmm. my mom didn't cook breakfast. There was a turkey in the oven, though. Mm -hmm. I remember I can smell it and mm -hmm. greens and, and college college greens. I haven't eaten dinner, man. You make me hungry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, you know, college, we call them college greens sitting on, on, <laughs> on the uh, stove that have been cooking a very long time. <laughs> Just get all the all the all the fat back, all the you know, and they uh, put ham hock in there to get the flavor. That's better than college. Yeah, yeah, Coll collard greens, college greens, yeah, and then she would mix the mustard in with it oh, to kind of get with it. Yeah, so sorry. Uh, <laughs> so then, right after that, we have to get dressed because we're going to church. Church was at eleven o'clock a.m. Then you come back, and then you're able to play with your toys after that because you know you open your presents and all that stuff. My question really more is along the lines of tradition yeah. and also reminded of it because of the Reformation that was, you know, yep. celebrated last month that, yep. you know, me and my family celebrated. Yep. Um, with the traditions, give me an idea of some that are like absolutely you must hold to mm. and some that we hold to now that we need to stop. Yeah. That we just like... And I, I say this in the light of like how we do church here. Mm -hmm. I have plenty of examples sure. of traditions yeah. that, that, that are there. Yep. So I I would say and and I think the how you define tradition is important in how you answer that question. Okay. So um because you asked, I'm gonna define it in this way that tradition is something that is is not necessarily is not necessarily biblical but it's historical 
Gotcha. It's something that you that has been passed down either within the generation or from generation to generation as mm-hmm. something that is done. It can have a spiritual emphasis or it can just have a uh, have a uh, uh, familial emphasis of families getting together and whatnot, mm-hmm. you know. And so traditions are that, right? They're mm-hmm. things we do that are passed down to us. They can have a spiritual emphasis in, like you said, going to church every Christmas. That would be a tradition that's not biblical, right? In the sense that we're not commanded to go to church on Christmas. And yet it's something that a tradition that a church started or a Christian started at some place and sometime, and that's passed down and people do that. I would say there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to do that, that's fine. It's a, it's a tradition. Mm-hmm. It's a tradition. Um, so you asked the question, what traditions must we adhere to and do and what traditions must we stop and i would say in some ways if you take that definition of tradition then none of the traditions we must do right if you're going to use that language and you did when you said what traditions must we adhere to must we follow i would say the only things we must do is what bible the bible says Mm -hmm. and i wouldn't call that traditions i would call that biblical commands or scriptural implications and then and uh, exhortations so whatever the scripture says, that's what we must do. We must celebrate communion on a regular basis. We must baptize new believers, right? We must uh, discipline those who claim to be followers of Christ but are publicly displaying a testimony that's contrary to Christ. You know, we must forgive one another. We must, you know, those aren't traditions. Those We must sing. We must sing when we gather together. That's not a tradition. That's a command. We're commanded to do that. We must gather together weekly, right? That's not a tradition. That's a command. Um, So those things, that's how I would handle that. Um, However, within our services, there are traditions. Maybe traditions isn't the right word. Maybe cultural styles, cultural nuances. And there could be traditions um, that are in there. And I would say those things are fine but they must be held loosely, right? Um, Traditions come and go. Things we do now, we might not do that later by way of certain things that we do, like use the example, I'll just go back to it, going to church at Christmas. That was fine for when you were growing up in that sense, as long as you're not finding your spiritual identity from that, but it's just, you know, I could see that being a good thing if you're dealing with a materialistic culture, and we have one, and this church says, you know what, let's just, let's start Christmas off in a Christ-centered way, and let's just have church every Christmas so that we can celebrate Christ and refocus our thoughts and make sure we're all in the right direction, and then obviously go to our separate homes. Man, I don't have a problem with that. I think that's, that's noble and could be effective in a, maybe an immature church or a young church or a church that's dealing with a lot of that. That could be a very effective way for the for that leadership to shepherd that body. They might do that for 10 years, and then the church matures, and they're like, you know, we don't need to do this anymore. We've matured, and and we're in a different place. So, um, yeah, there are definitely things uh, like that that will come and go, um, certain styles of music. We do a, we do a candlelight service. Mm-hmm. That would be a tradition. Mm-hmm. That's a tradition that— And that's where I'm going. We, we're, not, we're not commanded to mm-hmm. do that. That's not in any way— uh, a command um, we've done I've done services here on Thanksgiving day right uh, mm-hmm. Wednesday Wednesday before Thanksgiving and mm-hmm. done a special service that's all focused on giving thanks mm-hmm. we're commanded to do that taking that holiday and in some ways railroading it and capitalizing on what the Bible commands us to do 
all the time and showing why why we can give thanks in all circumstances and all of that. And then honestly giving thanks to the Lord for all that he's done for us. That's a good thing. That's a tradition. Don't have to do that. And yet it's a good thing. Um, candlelight service, good thing. Uh, we'll do a Christmas concert on the first Sunday night of the December. You know, we don't need to do that. Where's it? Where, where does it say we got to have a Christmas concert, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I generally will teach Christmas sermons in December. Almost, almost every Sunday in December, I'll allocate to doing a a mini series on Christ and Christmas and all of that through uh, different aspects of the story. And and I mean, that's you could say is tradition, right? I kind of do that. That's what I do every every Easter. I I'll preach a resurrection sermon and a good, I do a good Friday sermon, right? Mm -hmm. Not a lot of churches do that anymore, but I do a good Friday service. It's actually, it's actually my most, uh, shall I say, uh, it's, it's probably that service and that doing that probably brings me some of the greatest joy as a pastor. Like I love that service, Mm -hmm. totally focused on Christ, totally focused on the cross, just zeroing in with a laser focus, a sober sermon, a somber time, specifically communion. Like I love that, but that's tradition. And so like, are we commanded to do that? I'm commanded to preach the word. And so in some sense that's coming out, but so there's a lot of that. If you start looking at it, is that something we must do? Would would we be a faithless church if we didn't do that? No, no, not at all. We could actually be a faithless church and still do that, hmm. right? Because faithless would be more dealing with not just what Bible tells us to do, but why we do it, motives, right? We could be mm-hmm. doing it for prideful reasons or whatever. So again, I think the word and the idea, I get it. I know, we, I know where you're going, but um, it's hard to... <clears throat> You know, there's a lot of that in our culture and a mm-hmm. lot of that. But I think the good one is the candlelight service. Um, we haven't done it actually in a couple of years because of COVID, right? We're mm-hmm. gonna we're planning on doing it again this year and it's just a just a wonderful service. Mm-hmm. Just a wonderful time to focus on Christ, do communion, right? Right before Christmas. We always do it on Christmas Eve mm-hmm. and uh just a wonderful time to gather and sing uh Christ centered songs all focused on the incarnation and the glory, the glory of Christ, and all that, all that that means, and but that's, I mean, lighting the candles, singing joy to the world, and all of that. It's like that's tradition. Yeah, that's totally tradition. Like if we never did that, okay, it's fine, mm-hmm. you know. But yet, the fact that we do do it doesn't isn't bad. It's actually, in, if we've done well, it helps focus our thoughts. Mm-hmm. So yeah, is that helpful? It, that is helpful. I, for me, it's like. I am so used to doing those things. Yeah. Like for me it's 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 almost a like, oh man, like I kinda miss it. Yeah. In a way. Like I was reading that scripture that I was telling you about. Yeah. I was like, man, like I remember playing those songs. Yeah. Because it was songs that were being pulled from from Psalms. Some of them are just like, all right, you you definitely pulled that meaning out of there. That was a narcissistic <laughs> way of looking <laughs> at it. You did not ex- exegete anything. Well, but but that plus like like another another example like I remember as a kid going to uh, watch night service mm-hmm. and that was for me that was fun you know yeah. I got to stay up late yep um, I remember one night we were <laughs> we were in the tent because uh, they you know we couldn't move into our building so they put a, a huge white circus tent a mm-hmm. like four thousand person 
circus tent outside of the building in December Ooh. with these, uh, you know, these uh, torches, you know, yeah. pumping heat into the tent. And, uh, you know, we did the countdown for New Year's. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you started hearing a lot of gunshots. Yeah. You know, from the neighborhood that was next door. They're like, yeah. all right, don't move. Everybody, stay, you know, sit down. It's crazy. Don't move. Wait till it stops. And we had to wait till the gunshot stopped because everybody was shooting in a very dangerous neighborhood next to the to the church. So I remember that as a kid, and it's like, man, you know, like a watch night service. But my thing was, it was like, what was my motive for doing that? Was that yeah. something that was pleasing to me and appeasing, you know, some type of like want in me? Or, yeah. and but it. But why did it, it did it not honor God? You know, like I was in church and, you know, start off your year off, start your year off right. So that's kind of like my conflict there. Yeah. You know, what we do here is fine. I mean, I I really don't want to come here on Christmas morning. Yeah. Like, I want to sleep in. Yeah. You know, the kids. We, we we do that. It's happened once or twice where Christmas morning, Sunday morning. Yeah, please. Oh, Christmas morning is Sunday morning? No, oh. we've done that before when it has been and we have church. Well, that's different. Yeah, yeah, that's no, different. but that's my point. It's yeah. the Lord's Day, right? We're not right. gonna not gather on the Lord's Day, yeah, that, whether it's Christmas, absolutely. whether it's whatever. That's right. when we. So, in that sense, but yeah, apart from that, we don't gather on Sunday morning. We usually, like I said, we usually uh, in the past have done our candlelight service on Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. and so we've already gathered. Yeah, yeah. and that, and see that now, like now, our tradition is after that service, we go home and the girls open one present. Yep. You know, we and have it's like and. You know, we sit around and yep. you know drink drink some hot cocoa. I think and you guys came over one time. We had all this food. You guys were over till like two in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> I remember, that? That. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, that was, was fun. So, that was so much fun. They still opened the presents after we got <laughs> yeah. home. Like they were, they were like, we got to open up the presents. So I was <laughs> like, okay, go ahead. But you know, those types of things, you know, obviously. But it, I think that my struggle, like I said, is like, what is what is pleasing and what is not pleasing to yeah. the Lord? Because that's obviously that has to be my focus. Oh, absolutely. But some things that I do, it's like, man, is that wrong? And we talked about it last time, you know, about some of the music that yes. you know I listen to. Yes. Like it to, I literally like sometimes I'll hear a song. Yeah. And I have to just I have to I have to pull it up and I have to listen to it because it'll be stuck in my head until I listen to it and then it kind of purges out. And I'm like, well the theology in this song is just horrible. Yeah. But it brings me back to a point of like, I remember that that is a good memory. Is the theology good? No, but am I not pleasing the Lord in kind of following that or, or, or going with that thought just a little bit. And it's not a bad thought. It's not a sinful thought. It's not a thought of like, man, you know, that, you know, she or that, no, it's nothing like that. It's just like, that was a warm part of my life that mm-hmm. that's there. So mm-hmm. in my deconstruction of yeah. <laughs> this black liberation theology yeah. and bad theology that I've gotten, that's the struggle sometimes. The yeah. tradition of what I used to do and now moving into things that is going to be and and rightfully, you know, pleasing to, to, yeah. to God. So I, I, there's yes. And. I'd say some of that struggle you're talking about is is normal to the growth of every believer, right? Mm-hmm. We we are constantly looking back and going, you know what? Yeah, I, probably that wasn't helpful, or my motive in that wasn't right, or 
that tradition yeah it wasn't what i thought it was and we grow mm-hmm. that song that style of music mm-hmm. whatever like that version of the bible that yeah. like like how many of those things that but yet it's not so it's not that that's failure or or that's not pleasing to the lord in that moment that's where you were now if it's sin it's sin obviously we're not talking about that mm-hmm. but you're what you're describing is more maturity right growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Christ, of christ growing in your understanding of who he is and the gospel and 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 going from let's say milk to meat right mm-hmm. <laughs> going from infants to adults right and that's what we're all on that path and so we all sh- should see a progression and we should all, as we mature, like look back and go, yeah, I don't, I don't do that anymore. Don't want to, don't need to, you know, not in a prideful sense. It's just, yeah, I've grown, I've grown through that. And, mm-hmm. and that's good. That's fine. That's nothing wrong with that. And, and then there's times we look back and it's like memories, memories are good. We all okay. have them. And we look right. back and it's like, oh, that was a good time. Mm-hmm. That was a, that was, that was fun. That was a blessing that there was nothing, like you said, sinful about it. There's mm-hmm. nothing, it doesn't conjure up you know idolatrous selfish sexual thoughts or something but it's like well, that was a sweet time in my life and mm-hmm. you know and it's like we don't do that now because i don't need to do that but i i enjoyed that mm-hmm. and it, where i was in life that was good that was good and there's nothing wrong with that that's normal okay now one thing i was going to say though that's interesting again it's not tradition these are biblical commands and yet that that reality of tradition being something that's repeated historically often fiscally or annually on the calendar where does that come from i'll tell you where it comes it comes from the bible did not god build into his people festivals feasts yeah and and so in the loose sense we could say traditional gatherings Mm -hmm. by which they would gather together and and in the right sense party eat celebrate Mm -hmm. you know and then somberly remember the Mm -hmm. passover Mm mm-hmm uh, Feast of Tabernacles, Feast of Booze, right? Uh, Day of Atonement. You see all of these realities that in some sense, if you, you know, depending on how you define the word, you could see that as traditions. Now we know they're more than that. They were commanded to do that. And yet didn't they build up the tradition? Like they were going up. Uh, Luke, uh, what is it, 241 says, Mary and Joseph went up to Jerusalem every single year to mm-hmm. celebrate Passover. Right. Well, I mean, when they went and did that, don't you think... They were stopping by to meet, you know, uh, Elizabeth and Zachariah, mm-hmm. John the Baptist's, you know, parents. Mm-hmm. You, don't you think there were traditional gatherings with family that they hadn't seen? And, you know, they were all built around those celebrations, mm-hmm. you know, and we, we have a lot of that. And so, yeah, there's some of that is is we even see modeled for us in Scripture, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. And so, yeah, so traditions aren't necessarily bad. We make them bad when we turn them into idols, mm-hmm. and we when and I I think I remember, it's I recollect I think talking about this last year at Christmas, and we did a segment on this if I remember correctly, that the problem with traditions, like Christmas is a big one, when you find yourself all warm and fuzzy about Christmas because of the traditions rather than the truth, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's less about the truth of the incarnation. Because, I mean, is Christmas even in the Bible? Like, no. <laughs> There's no celebration of Christmas in the sense of December 25th. Like, that's that's man-made, right? That's that's a calendar event. We're celebrating the incarnation, right? The birth of Christ. And yet, it does, is that December 25th? N- no, if you study that historically, that's just the date 
that our country has that has that on there. I mean, there's all kinds of ways you can look at that. Right. But the problem is, for most people, what they get excited about is the nostalgia, mm-hmm. right? The the uh, the awe and feelings and the uh, uh, mystical leanings of eating the food, the eggnog, mm-hmm. the fireplace, the gathering of family and friends, which, again, nothing wrong with that. That's Those are all good things you can enjoy. But that's not Christmas. That's not the incarnation. Mm-hmm. That's not what, what we celebrate. So that gets to the motive. That gets to why are we get, why are we excited about this? If we're excited about this and we're doing this to celebrate Christ, to lift high his name, to grow in our understanding of the incarnation and to glory in Christ, well, man, you'll, you could celebrate that every day. Yeah. And we should. We should. And yeah. that's, what, that's what should drive the traditions. Mm-hmm. That's what you're talking about, the motive. Mm-hmm. Why am I doing it? And then obviously all the fuzzies that come in with, you know, eating, or, you know, eating, I don't know, fruitcake and drinking eggnog or whatever. Fruitcake? I don't know. I'm just throwing stuff out there. People I don't do. Know about all that. People have some weird traditions. But, um, yeah. but yeah, those things are fine. But it's why. What mm-hmm. is it about? What's the center? Who's yeah. the focus? So, anyway. Yeah. There's always a fight about whether pumpkin pie or uh, sweet potato pie should be served. And, and you my know my answer, answer to that? Yes. Both. <laughs> the answer is yes. And then throw in Both some apple pie. Oh, yeah. And Pecan. Some, and some green stuff. Green stuff. Oh, man. What? Are you talking about a pie? No, Are you no. talking about like. No, this. It's this. it's this weird pudding that my mom made and we nicknamed it green stuff because we could never figure out what it was it has all this stuff in it let me tell you that stuff that's that's christmas tradition so is it like grapes and yeah it's like almost like a tapioca pudding type deal there is a name for that and it's a southern thing yeah um i want to say uh uh gelatinous salad or like uh, I forget the name of it. I had been eating it for all these years. Oh. So in our and and it's the pink stuff. And we call it, it the green stuff. Yeah, it's the pink stuff. It's, I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. It's like cottage cheese yep, and yep, all this stuff. Yep. But there is a name for it. I can't yeah. think of what the name is. Yep. Uh, My but, brother and I we nicknamed it the green stuff every year. We're like, Mom, you making the green stuff? So now Amy makes it every year at Christmas. So. Is it congealed salad? I think that's what the name of it. But it's like all this stuff that's put in there. But it is so good. It's, oh, man. But you don't know whether to put it on your dinner plate <laughs> or whether you it. eat it as a dessert. So you do both. You just do both. Amen. You just get a little bit on See? both of them. See yeah. That? So Watch out. Yeah. It, speaking of traditions, now that we're talking about food, I got to throw this one in there. <laughs> the best thing after Thanksgiving is to make this sandwich. Now, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you all the instructions Remember, on how to make this sandwich. I haven't eaten dinner, brother. Come on. You're killing me. This is your your horse derby right here. <laughs> <laughs> this is your derby. You take the you take whatever roll that was made. You take the roll and you you cut it open and then you put you know a little bit of uh, turkey in there, some stuffing, and some cranberry in there, and that's the sandwich. Maybe you can add some mayonnaise if you want. Is that if that's your pleasure? But you put that and then uh, instead of mayonnaise, what you do is you take sweet potatoes. And then you put that on there instead of the mayonnaise with the stuffing, the chicken, uh, the turkey, and then the cranberries. You got yourself a sandwich right there. That's a Thanksgiving sandwich. That is a Thanksgiving leftover sandwich. You've touched every plate, yep. every every fixing. Yep. You've drug it through the sandwich. That is that that is a tradition right there. That's I like it. after after Thanksgiving. So, all right. Well, 
<laughs> speaking of eating, uh, the the last thing that I do want to uh, to kind of throw at you, and this is something can be something quick. Um, the very last point that you made on your your uh, sermon about Mark eleven. Mm. Uh, Mark 11, 1 through 11, mm-hmm. uh, talking about um, mm-hmm. Jesus going to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. You were talking about the type of king Christ was. Perception. So you had, was that, I had, well, I had three words. Yeah. It's at the very end. Yep. Yeah, it was under the perception uh, yep. Yep. point. Yep. I have three words, and I think that there were more. Yep. One was sovereign king. Yep. You said serious king. Yep. Soon returning. Yep. Was there another one? There was. I'm trying to remember. I don't have my notes in front of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was he's a sovereign king. He was a serious king. And um oh, he was a sacrificial king. Sacrificial king. Yes. Yes, talking about the reality of 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 himself giving himself up as the lamb. Mm-hmm. And uh and obviously he's he's the lamb slain. He's going into the temple and obviously building off of what uh, Psalm 118 says because they're quoting Psalm 118 when they uh, Psalm 118 25 26 when they're doing the hosannas mm-hmm. right they're literally qu- quoting that Helios uh, praise psalm as they're walking up the hillside into Jerusalem mm-hmm. they're quoting that they're singing that and that's you know uh, uh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and and Hosanna, God save us now. And mm-hmm. they're, they're saying that. And, and that's what they would have done as they were going into Passover. But if you keep reading that psalm, I think it's verse 27, 28, that's when it says, you know, they've, they've walked into the temple and they're going to sacrifice now the Passover lamb. And that's when they say, bring the, bring the lamb, tie him to the horns of the altar. Let's, let's sacrifice the lamb. Here it is. It is time. They're celebrating. They're excited. They've got their, their sacrificial lamb and, Christ is that lamb that will get tied to the altar and he is the sacrificial lamb. And that's part of what is, what is, uh, happening there as he's walking into Jerusalem, he is the lamb and the lamb has come. And so, yeah, so we were looking at that. He's a sovereign King. We see that in the text. He's a, he's a, um, what was the, what was the second one? He's, I can't remember. Serious. Serious. Yes. Cause oh, that's, that's the point. That's, that's the point of verse 11. He's, soberly and somberly he's looking at at the temple right he's he's taking the text when it says he looked around intently he's looking seriously at everything that has gone on Mm -hmm. because obviously he's not happy he's already knows what's been going on Mm -hmm. in his omniscience but he sees it and it's a joke and it's become a marketplace it's become a den of thieves it's a Mm -hmm. it's you know his Lord's house was supposed to be a house of prayer and it's become a den of robbers. And so he's, he, he knows he sees, he's getting ready. Mm -hmm. So that was why labeled that the King's perception, right? He's in there, he's perceiving, he's, he's meditating, he's looking deeply and then he leaves and he's getting ready because he comes back the next day with the, with the whip of cords Mm -hmm. and he cleans house. Now, I'm glad that you went to where you went in the Psalms, you know, saying what, you know, what they were saying. Yeah. Because my first thought, and obviously we are looking on the other side, we see the the full picture because we have the scriptures. Yes. 
But I'm just thinking, verse 11 was just so awkward for me. Yes. It was extremely awkward for yes. me because <laughs> it was like it was like all of this fanfare. Yes. And, you know, I know that James and John were just excited because they're yeah. like, oh, it's, it's about to go down. Yep. It's about to go down. Here we go. And I'm like, okay, this is great. You yep. know, everybody is welcoming him in to the, to, into the city and you you know, everything is great. More. Yeah. And he, he walks in. He looks around and he, then he walks out. He goes, I'm like, wait a minute. He goes back on. to Bethany. And and here's the thing, it's like yeah, it was late in the day. Yep. But they knew what was happening oh, in totally. the city. Totally. You know, they people got the codes, they got their palms out and yep. all this stuff. I would imagine and this is what I wrote. I said <laughs> this is just my thought during the time. I would think that everyone, especially the priests in the temple, uh uh, would be happy so that they would not have to slaughter any more bulls. Yeah, you know, or 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 lambs. And it's like, you know, obviously, like I said, we're lo- I'm looking from this side of yep. the scripture, so I'm seeing yep. the whole picture. But it's like, where was the excitement in the temple, the place where, uh, I guess is, and as I'm thinking it through, it wasn't Rome. It, he wasn't marching into Rome saying, I'm going to take this whole exactly. thing over. He was going into the temple. So now I got more questions. Yes. Why did he go to the temple yeah. and not to Pilate? Well, Why did he... There's a number of reasons. One, he's going to the temple because he's the lamb. Gotcha. And, that makes sense. And he's So part of what I said on in that text and that verse, it's really helpful. It's it's part of Mark's style. He does this multiple times mm-hmm. where he's he's telling a story and he's building it up. And then he just leaves you hanging. It's yeah. part of his writing style of creating almost an angst, and a and 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 it's it's very it's very helpful because he provokes you to think. He makes you go, wait a minute, what? Like that's it? Like what's going on? He he, he actually will end his whole gospel that way, which I with with what I think is the greatest cliffhanger of all time. Mark mm-hmm. will end it that way, which he's done multiple times in mm-hmm. this being one of them. And so it's part of his writing style. It's part of his provocation. Mark has a way to provoke your thought that I think is different than any other gospel writer, and especially because he's, he's, he's essentially tweeting, he's texting, he's giving these little snippets. But in this one, he's built it up. I mean, there's emotion, there's excitement, and then you go into the temple and there's nothing. And part of that is to show is to show that all of that hype and fanfare, and then Mark's like, nothing else happens. It's like they're they're. It's not what you think. That's why he's writing it. He's he's wanting his audience to see. Be careful that you don't embrace like thinking that's it. They've they've they they recognize they see he is the king. He is the Messiah. He is the Lamb. They're following him, and then you get to the temple, and it's like, and nothing happens, and it's like, oh. It's Mark writes it as if there's no one there. It's as if it's empty. Yeah. That's what he wants you to see. Right. He wants you to see that here you go. Their religion was empty. Mm. It was totally devoid of any substance. All of the hype and all of the fanfare and all of that that went into it and there's nothing there. And there stands the ultimate lamb. There stands the king of glory and there's no one there to greet him. There's no one there to worship him there's no one there, there to accept him it's just done and it's showing it's showing that it's void that it's empty and and it's preparing for what's coming so in some ways 
that text really is dealing a lot with the temple in that the temple is a representation of the religion of the day. Mm. And it's empty. And Christ has come to change it, to fix it, to right the wrong. He is the temple. He is the point. And they obviously have missed that. And that's why he's going to come in and clean, start cleaning it up. And there's many reasons for why he does that. So, yeah, that's the perception of the king. That's what's coming out there. Mm-hmm. And that's why I said he's a sovereign king. He's a sober king. He's a serious king. He's a sacrificial king. He's a soon-return king. So, Yeah, that as I thought that through, and I'm like, man, you set it up very well. You're like, you got... You know, all these people coming in, you, you made the reference like you did before yep, yep. of, you know, Mary and Joseph. I'm sorry. Yeah, Mary and Joseph coming into Jerusalem because yep. that's what tradition, that's yep. what they do. Yep. Then they all these people are there, and then you have Jesus coming in and on a donkey, you know, all this stuff, yep. and then all of a sudden, nothing. Yeah. It drove me crazy because I'm like, don't you get it? Don't you see? And I'm like, buddy, don't you get it? Yeah. Don't you see? And and the other side to this is Mark is, is showing and helping us see that it, it wasn't like that wasn't what it was about. He's demonstrating he is the Messiah, Zechariah 9.9. He mm-hmm. fulfills that. He shows I am this man. Mm-hmm. I am the, 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 the Christ. And, and yet he leaves because there's more to come. This isn't the point. He's got to die. He's got to go to the cross. This is the whole point. Mm-hmm. And so he goes into the temple and it's like, yeah, the work isn't finished. It wasn't a, like, it's not over. Like, because they're thinking the king is here. And that's what James and John and everybody's like, all right, we're here. You're in Jerusalem. You're the king. Now go and do it. And Jesus is like, yeah, no, this, you're missing the point. It's, n- it's not time yet mm-hmm. for that. I'll come back and I'll rule and reign from Jerusalem. Not yet we got to deal with sin first. Mm-hmm. And obviously he's going to have to provoke some religious leaders to to arrest them and do what they need to do in the sovereign plan of God. And, and that that all begins now mm-hmm. for the rest of the week. That's what he's doing. Richard Tillis and I were cracking up about how he's, <laughs> he said, I'm, I'm trying to do his accent. He said, man, when Jesus come back, he going to hit that mountain. It's going to split in, in two. I said, that's right. <laughs> and he's like, man, and, and you know how rich it is. Oh, I love it. it. He cries at the drop of the dime. He starts uh, talking about Jesus, and yep. he just starts crying. Oh, man. Amen. <laughs> real quick. I'm yeah. like, good grief, that dude. But I talking to him is, like, so encouraging because I'm like, I uh, I heard that uh, Steve Lawson, you get a contact, you get a, a conversation with him, all he talks about is, is Jesus. That's it. And I'm mm-hmm. like, this is the Steve Lawson of the church right he here. Is, just, he just is awesome. All the time. Dear it's brother. Encouraging. So encouraging talking to him. But he, he talked about that. I was like, man, that is crazy. And, you know, we brought that up. I was like, man, if, if Christ comes and splits the the uh, the, the mountains in half, yeah. you know, the Mount of Olives in yeah. half, and it's like, at even at that point, yeah, some people still won't get it. No, they don't. Zechariah fourteen four. That's why that Mount of Olives is huge. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Like he he orchestrates the entire thing so that he's there on the Mount of Olives so that he can ride that donkey from there all the way in as the king, and then that's where he will ascend when he goes back to heaven, and that's where he will return as oh, the king. Man. 
He rides in as the king. He ascends as the king. He returns as the king. And it's in that return that he will reign mm -hmm. as the king. And he, when his feet touch the Mount of Olives, they will split. And it will. everything will be, uh, how, was you, how did you say it before, deconstructed. Mm. Yeah, by yeah. the divine. Mm -hmm. Yep. He came the first time to uh, tell men about Christ or tell men yeah. of the coming judgment. And next time he's coming back as the judge. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to be like it is now. That's for sure. Yeah. So, well, this has been uh, up and down, all around type of podcast, which is what we do. Uh, various topics that we talk about, um, but more or less all pointing to the Savior, which is the whole point of the podcast. So I appreciate you all tuning in and listening. Love to hear some feedback from you all as well on it. Um, you're always welcome to do that. And those details will be at the end of the podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. And now here is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The biblical gospel starts with God. Out of nothing, God made everything including you and me, to bring himself much pleasure. His purpose for us as humanity was to love, obey, and enjoy him perfectly. Instead of this, man has sinned against our loving creator and acted in rebellion. Since God is good and just, he must punish sin that deserves eternal, conscious punishment under God's wrath in hell. But God, being merciful, loving, and gracious, had a plan to punish sin, and so be a just judge, and yet forgive sinners and so display mercy by sending his own son, Jesus Christ, the co-equal and co-eternal son of God, to take on human flesh, fulfilling his perfect requirements in the place of sinners, loving, obeying, and enjoying him perfectly. Furthermore, Jesus bore the full wrath of God upon the cross, and he satisfied the eternal anger of God, standing in a place of sinners, though he was himself perfectly sinless. God showed his acceptance of Christ's sacrifice by raising Jesus from the dead after three days in the grave. Now Jesus commands everyone everywhere to repent, turn from their sin, and believe, trust in him. This is the glorious transaction. God then charges Christ's perfection to the sinner and no longer views him as an enemy, but instead an adopted son and daughters covered in the perfect righteousness of his son. We can now have peace with God and have eternal life with him forever it's true for every person in every culture in every place in every language through all time so our response to this good news is repentance and faith dear hearer behold now is the accepted time behold now is the day of salvation turn from your sins believe in the lord jesus christ and this day be reconciled to god Thanks for tuning in to this. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment. If you have a question, please send them to thetruthtalkspodcast at gmail.com. Visit our Instagram and Twitter at thetruthtalkspodcast. And visit our website at belcroftbiblechurch.org. Delighting in the word that we might walk in the truth. A ministry of Belcroft Bible Church.